The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. What is this? Pride? Move these people back. Welcome to Subversive Cinema. Oh my god! I never forget a face. Especially if I'm sad on it. Oh, oh. Welcome, everybody, to the show. It is your host, Art Hall. I am back with another edition of Subversive Cinema. And today is a real fucking treat for me because I have an interview with Sky Elabar from No Bullshit, one of my favorite movies, The Greasy Strangler. Sky, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, man? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. This is this is awesome. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm just gonna be a fanboy, and I don't even give a shit anymore. <laughs> it's uh, it's such a weird, wacky film. It honestly is all the right definitions of subversive cinema to me, and it's one of the movies that really helped inspire me to pull this show together because it's one of those where you don't know what the hell you're gonna get one minute to the next. I love that. I love to hear from you. I, I have a bunch of stuff I want to ask. Uh, but first, everything going well? You doing okay? Doing great, man. Can't be, it could be worse. I'm in LA. It's the weather's beautiful by the beach. It's great. Even better. Yeah, I'm stuck way in the valley. So I'm, I'm nowhere near the beach. Where are you in the valley? I am up in the city of San Fernando. So just a, a stone's throw from Santa Clarita and all that fun stuff. All right. Yeah. And Santa Clarita. Love it. So uh, I, I understand that you have worked with the director, Jim Hosking, a number of times. We started working in 2009, 2000. Yeah, 2009. So then you were no stranger to his particular sensibilities and styles. Now, where in the experience you had until you did Strangler? Where did that movie fall when you saw the script and you got to talk about it with him? Was it like, this is business as usual, or wow, this is different? I knew something was going to come that was really out there. Because we had planned on doing a, a uh, feature film called Crabs that was, a, uh, that was a, an extension of the, the, um, the short film that we did, Crabs. And that was bizarre. <laughs> and Renegades, the short film before Crabs, was bizarre. And his stuff that he's done, his shorts in England, work and all that stuff were bizarre shorts. I, I loved his his style, his his approach to cinema. So how did you how did you hook up with the dude? Since he was you know British born and he started out over there, uh, how did that relationship start? He was living here in LA, in, in, in Silver Lake, working as a, you know, a commercial director. And I was doing, I did auditions for, for him through a casting agency that brought me in. They, they introduced me to Jim. And then he started to, you know, uh, you know, go out on his short films and his more narrative film stuff. And I got pulled into that. So I was very lucky to, to be introduced to him early, early on. 
Yeah, no, it's great to get in on the ground level. So you mentioned how you knew something <laughs> was you knew something was coming, something strange. Uh, did he ever share with you about any origins of the story, or is it just literally something that just kind of came to him one day as like a shower thought? It came to me in the, my inbox in the script <laughs> after the the, the, film, the feature film Crabs was, you know, disappeared because the funding disappeared. We were going to shoot that in Austin in a, in a, uh, a jail, an actual penitentiary. We were, okay. It was really a bizarre movie. Anyway, <laughs> that, that disappeared. And then he said, don't worry, Sky, I'm going to, we're going to do something else so six months eight months later the greasy strangler appears in my inbox and says we're gonna do this you're gonna play big braid <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh man so let's talk about the film uh so you play big braden and your father is big ronnie played by michael st michael's what a fucking character how is that working with him and what was it like creating uh, that very, very interesting father-son dynamic and how it evolved throughout the story. Well, he's good. He fell right into the whole the whole character of Big Ronnie as a sleazy, sleazy dude who, who you know, who's uh, given up on his son, gave up on his son, and thinks his son's a loser and this and that. And he, he, he fell right into that mold and the whole character and the whole, and he's got a great voice too. Yes. So um, he did a great job portraying big Ronnie. I could have swore. I heard somewhere that at the time of him getting involved in this project, he wasn't even really on the radar. He was saying how he didn't, I thought I read somewhere he didn't have a manager or an agent or something uh, so was how did do you know how Jim found him or knew of him? Jim found him, thought of him from a commercial audition. He 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 did. Uh, he was doing he was casting a commercial. He was shooting a commercial, and they brought him in, but didn't cast him. And Jim remembered him like, wow, that guy's a pretty weird dude. <laughs> Let's try to find him. And they did they did a whole search for him and they got him up to the, the casting thing when they were casting Big Ronnie in. It was it was a trip. It was wow. a trip. So the one thing I'm taking away so far is commercials are the key to to getting a little bit of traction in the industry here to start meeting the future of filmmakers, it sounds like. I think it can be. I don't think it's a, a, a definite, a definite, but I think it's a way in. There's a <laughs> lot of ways in, man. There's a lot of ways to, to slither through the door. That's right. <laughs> whatever gets you in, damn it. Yeah, and and whatever. You'll do, if you're an actor, you'll do any audition, man. I did, I did a Taco Bell audition, the weirdest Taco Bell audition, way before the Greasy Strangler, where I dressed up, as a, this is a weird Taco Bell commercial. I don't even know if it ever aired, but I was a hooker. <laughs> I was dressed up in drag and I was a hooker talking to a John on the street. And trying... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Holy shit. I need to see if I can find that on YouTube or something. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that was a fun audition. But I went in and they brought me in and, and I was in there with like literally the real deal guys, you know, oh, wow. and I was like, I don't know if I'm the real deal here. But <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to see if I can do this thing. <laughs> Swing for the fences. It's all we can ever do. So there, there was something, something very unique about the script or the story, I should say, is that there are moments where I can't quite tell where the script begins or ends, or if it's one of those rare examples of just perfect connection between performer and writer, where the words sound so natural and the cadence is there that you'd swear it has to be improv because the timing is just so what the what is happening so was there any degree of improv or was that literally everything on the page that that was everything on the page wow that's i mean <laughs> yeah and uh but thank god i i gotta say um if actors look at this and they say god how does this guy do this thank god i had worked with jim before and really got into his thing, what he was looking for and what I was wanted to bring to this thing. And we had a we had a working thing already. I don't know about going cold into this thing and trying to do this. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just maybe maybe somebody can do it, but it's it's really I had a backup. I had two shorts that I had done with him and worked with him and really learned like a lot of his stuff yeah so you had a shorthand you knew how to communicate and work together you knew exactly when when he writes holy moly or something you know he wants it he's gonna want it a certain way from a certain place yeah. he, he's not looking for this he's like you got it figured out so um one of your co-stars elizabeth durazo from eastbound and down and yeah. other things was she someone who knew jim or was she someone who just took right to his to his verbiage and his shortcuts she took to it she came in through danielle off the arrow and, and uh amber amber horn they mm -hmm. brought her in they knew her and she came in and uh she grabbed it pretty quickly yeah, she seemed like she was right in it with the world. Everything about everybody in this movie fits this world. And what's interesting about it is I, I like, a lot, again, you know, I do this show. So I like a lot of offbeat movies. And the ones that really get my, my juices going are the ones that have excellent world building with very little effort. So this movie had a fantastic world that I, I am afraid of, but I'm incredibly curious and want to visit for a weekend kind of like the dark backward had the same thing it's like there's just such an atmosphere about this and everybody down to the small day players like the three guys that you give that tour to and that scene in front of the vending machine is one of the funniest fucking things i've ever seen in my life i think so too a lot of people thought it was like you know some people thought it was like they couldn't take it <laughs> but I that's the thing is what's great about the comedy in this, which I'm going to talk about your one of the best exchanges in the history of cinema is the bullshit horseshit is like this rubber band 
I've heard this called rubber, like a rubber band thing. I think John Carpenter used that phrase for when he was making Halloween, which is like, how far can you stretch it until it's just unbearable? And this movie does it so, so well. It, it's it's like my uh, my friend who watched it with me and we talked about it on the show. He had never heard of it, never seen it. And he he likened it to, it was funny. And then all of a sudden it stopped being funny. But then it started getting funny, then it stopped being funny again, and then it became fucking hilarious. And to play that, that's what I was going to wonder is like, that must have been hard on the day. You know what? When I read that passage, when I read that part of the script, I was like, what the fuck is this? God, (laughs) how are we going to do this without like this being so lame? And I didn't even, I didn't even work on it. I didn't even work on that thing. I just memorized what it was verbatim. And I just said, we'll do this on the day. We'll get into, and Jim will like say, here's, you know, this, that, the other thing, whatever he says to you in the moment. And we got into it and uh, it turned out good. Yeah. When I first read that, I thought, I don't know if you thought the same thing when you first saw that bullshit thing. I I was on the ride like my friend did. Look, full disclosure, when I first saw the movie, I was stoned off my ass. And I it, that's a trip. This movie's a real trip when you're baked. Then I saw it again sober shortly thereafter. And then I was just like, well, this is like whole next level. But <laughs> every time that sequence stands out so much, it's it's. Yeah, it's fantastic. Fantastic. There's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that is makes you go, wow. <laughs> now, was there anything that was in a, the script that didn't make it to screen because it might have been a little bit too much wow? And I can't imagine what that could be because you pretty I'm much sure put everything there out there. I'm sure there were. Wink, wink. <laughs> nod, nod. Like, 11 or 13 scenes that were cut from this movie. Talking about things that go far, there is just a smidge of nudity in this movie. Granted, vast swaths of it are prosthetics that we'll we'll get into in a little bit here. But how did that work with a group of actors? Because this is like the level of comfortability that everybody has to have with their own skin is incredibly admirable. Uh, and it's actually, in my experience, it seems like it's not something that I see very often from the West Coast performers, but it's very much like a New York thing, you know, like the East Coast actors, are, they're looking for reasons to take their clothes off all the time, you know, while West Coast, it seems like a little bit more sheltered. So was there difficulty? Was I mean, was it just, I guess, a very trusting set, small set, because, you know, you knew Jim and everybody knew each other to a degree or was it difficult getting to that point for yourself and anybody else? We were just thrown, we were just thrown into it, and we didn't do a lot of takes. Oh, so this is like pretty pretty fast filming. Like you weren't going on for a while. One or two takes, and then then turn around, and then it was quick because it was a low budget movie. That's yeah. it. Looks fantastic. I mean, it's a testament to the crew, and the production staff for making it look. Like, you know, the trite old saying, it looks like a million bucks. It looks really well done. I mean, the color is beautiful. The sound is great. The music is 
one of my favorite well, that, albums. That's Jim and, and the DT and Andrew Hung. Mm-hmm. Those three, the Andrew, the music, Jim editing it, and 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 Martin, the Swedish uh, DP. That's his thing. He brought that look and that that beauty to the to the screen. Yeah, it's it's so restrained because it's a lot done in simple wides, one shots, long shots, and I think yeah. the the most frenetic uh, that comes to mind is just watching you break down outside in your underwear. Like that's the only time I see the cameras really moving around a lot, and it works for that moment because of what's happening. But uh, and that's also one of the really fun parts of the trailer when that first came out is that example of that long humor <laughs> it's a big moment i had to give it two thousand percent man you know you, you did you 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 know in these when you're doing this stuff like this is right everything's important all, all, all obviously but you know when like we, this thing has got to like come up here yeah right here you know these these points and you just give it everything thousands yeah. you know and see if it works <laughs> yeah hey it worked thanks man as i mentioned moments ago the prosthetic genitals <laughs> that was a real treat to unveil for the audience i'm sure so what was it like being glued into these things for i'm assuming hours on end terrible yeah terrible and, and getting them off, we, we had to take, I had to take like alcohol and work around that. And it was painful. Oh, geez. Yeah. Getting in and out of those suits and those prosthetics was no fun at all. But, you know, to be honest, we were, I wasn't bitching and moaning about every, anything because I know how hard Jim worked to get this feature film. This was his first feature film. I really know he busted his ass to get this first film funded. And I just, there was no complaining or anything. I was really wanted to give him everything to this film. And and when I got done with it, I thought this thing will go, I gave it my all, this thing will go nowhere. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll like, and I'll like think, you know, I gave it my all, and I'm really proud of this piece of work. And I don't think it's going to do anything. And we end up at Sundance in 2016, and people are going fucking nuts. Yeah. And I'm thinking, holy shit. <laughs> it was fun perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what happened to the, the genitals in question at the end of, uh, of the shoot? Did you guys get to keep your, your friends or did they go to the trash? Um, Michael got his. Mine, I never asked for it. I ran from the set. When they wrapped me, I'm like, <laughs> bye. Get me out of this thing. I'm done. I mean, literally, I mean, I guess we all we all gave it our all. But I really, really felt exhausted at the end of that freaking month. I could believe that. I mean, there's there is quite a lot. I mean, really, you know, yeah, it's the greasy strangler, and uh, but it's really Braden's story about how is he dealing with this love, his father, the relationship that's there. A lot of emotion, man. There's a lot of stuff happening, so I could imagine it's, it's real. Be- that's real, yeah. and you 
you feel for Braden and I felt for Braden. Yeah. You know, it's real and and you know that takes that takes a lot out of you, man. Wearing those clothes and doing the and the prosthetics and the suit. <laughs> and feeling real in it, you know, feeling yeah. you know, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. It, but it you know, it, it comes out and what you get is this, this like this polished gem that will exist beyond. You know, it's like everybody, the work shows that they wanted to make the best product possible and it's there. And to the chagrin of other people who have done some embarrassing things, this will stand the test of time, which is great because now it is this thing. It's a time capsule. It's a moment and it's something to hang on a wall. You know, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, shifting gears a bit. Um, <laughs> this is just more about a side question about a character here. So the one thing my friend and I were discussing was the uh, Ricky Prickles. We were really, really wishing we had some more Ricky Prickles in our life. And I get why he's not, because there's such a huge buildup about who this guy is. You know, especially the sequence in the restaurant where you're like, made me punch him in his rock-hard six-pack abs and all this other stuff. And then, you know, when you see him finally in the end, <laughs> he's just this random schmuck. <laughs> you know, it's it's fantastic. But he's like he's just like this mythical creature that we're like, man, we wanted more Ricky. <laughs> I was trying to trying to give Jim some um, some casting suggestions on Ricky, but I, you know, I couldn't think of anything because, you know, I kn I knew that Jim Jim is the kind of guy he writes this character, builds this character up as having, you know, rock hard sausages in a six packs froze like frozen sausages <laughs> yeah. and you just visualize this guy i knew that he wasn't going to go with a dude that was like a bodybuilder or something you know <laughs> yeah. the exact opposite he goes with sal sal um i forget sal's last name but he's a friend of mine too oh wow nice he's out here yeah oh sal kusa sal kusa and he is a really, I, I auditioned with him for in Jim's short for a thing that Jim never did, but we auditioned together and he's great. He's That's really awesome. got a lot of range and, but uh, he showed up in the end as Ricky Prickles and I thought, wow, oh my God, how did this play? <laughs> wow. So you bring up the end. And this was an interesting point, not of contention, but of, again, discussion between my friend and I. Uh, my friend looked at it, and again, this is the first time he'd ever seen the film, and he was just completely fucking clueless as to what happened. I had a particular, I had a theory about the ending, but I was wondering if you are at liberty to share what is happening at the end. And I'm just curious if it's in alignment with my uh, assessment of it. I asked Jim, what's happening? What is this? Ha what is happening? What's going on here in the end? And he said, don't ask me that question, Scott. <laughs> I had a sneaking suspicion. <laughs> don't ask me that. So I just thought, you know, I thought it was just us completely going back to our animalistic, uh, you know, base level together as father and son just real simplistic in my mind. I didn't know, but 
there was an, a whole nother ending that they were going to do. Really? That was, was um, a father and son ending where Michael couldn't do it because he said, if I do this one more time, we only had done it one time and he missed the line. Jim, Jim said, stay on this line, this camera line. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Michael veered off the camera line and went down the wrong street. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, that that area where we're walking and saying, you know, and Michael says, you know, I'm going with steady. I'm going with Janet steady. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It was in that area on in an industrial area. Oh, on an yeah. Open street in the morning, Michael and I were running or you know, skipping hand in hand, naked, yeah. completely naked in our, with our, with our uh, prosthetics on like father and son, we're back together again. And we did it. And I thought this is going to be a completely ridiculous ending. I love this. Yeah. And he could, my, Jim said, let's do it one more time. And we got it. Michael said, if I do it, I'm going to die. And they said, okay, fine. And that ending, that ending, coming up the hill mm-hmm. in the mountain and that was the wow yeah i mean my my judgment on it's very similar to yours where i looked at it as it was you know they are going back to their baser selves like their their animalistic brute natures <laughs> yeah. and then the question my friend was like well, what about the sh- the firing range and then the, them dying it's like well that's not really happening that's in their mind it's sort of a yeah. representation of executing the former self and then popping yeah. a cork yeah. of, of of celebration it's like yeah. they have now surrendered to this exactly could i couldn't have said it better so all right i, I feel better that we're in alignment so <laughs> yeah, it, now a couple a couple greasy questions so what the fuck was that grease because apparently it looked edible <laughs> it's it you can like, you can take eat it without getting sick or get uh-huh. get. It's not toxic. It's called methocellulose. Sounds terrible. It's stuff they've used in Hollywood forever. They have buckets of it. Like it's gobs of like stuff. Yeah. And when they put it on, it dries and it looks matte. Uh-huh. So it didn't look like grease. They piled it on. So once it dried, and it was, they they used this liquid ice, some kind of liquid ice stuff to go over your face to make it glisten. <laughs> and that stuff looks cold. Yeah. And when we did those, when we did those scenes in the suits, it was like 40 degrees out. Oh, wow. And that stuff was made you feel like you were like in sub-zero weather oh i believe that jeez where where was this filmed in la it, oh this wasn't out that that the was this like a, a park nearby or was this just a little bit outside of the city all the locations are in the the the, the uh the forest stuff is in the los angeles forest okay up by you yeah the angeles forest and wow. then and then the car wash was in South Central. The house was in right near USC. Ah. And then um, the 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 um, movie theater was in Highland Park. That Highland Park movie theater. Oh yeah. Huh. And uh, and the uh, the thing where the greasy strangler kills the tourist. That's oh, yeah. 
that was in Hollywood. And this is so funny. It's all it's all everywhere everywhere around LA, and the the disco thing is right down on La Brea, I think. It's amazing how not LA this all looks. Yeah, they found some really wonderful not LA places. It's uh, I yeah, that, would have swore this is in the middle of middle of America somewhere. The guy Jason Casverde, who's the the production designer, art director, production designer, he's uh, he did Swiss Army Man, oh, Sorry okay. to Bother You, on and on and on. Yeah. He's really good at it. Like that's a good pedigree, yeah. Locations, for, yeah. Shit. All right. Yeah, he's great. Now, Big Braden. Is a fancies himself a bit of the bard in his work with prose. I see. So, um, how uh, do we have any chance of ever knowing how Revenge Incorporated goes? Like, will we ever be able to see a novelization? I hope so. I hope when they expand this thing into Greasy Strangler Two, uh, <laughs> Braid's got a book deal. You know, a yeah. fantasy, a graphic novel book deal. <laughs> I hope so, man. And he's out on a tour. He's he's meeting people. That would be wonderful. Now, here's the question: Is like, do you think he would uh, he would have escaped the primal nature of the grease, or is he just living his life, doing his best greasy self at that point, putting on a hat and wearing this the clothes over the grease, just writing his novels? That's a good question. I think he probably he didn't escape the grease. No, but he's he may get greasy. He may. I don't know the story. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he's still, you know, doing the greasy with his dad, doing the, you know, the uh, when he's back from his his uh, public publication, his his publishing tour. Oh, yes. He's in L.A. doing his his uh, thing with his dad, helping his dad. Out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I, I see a whole world of ancillary content in the future here from these to an actual walking disco tour. So hopefully something will come true. Who would have ever thought of a walking disco tour that is a complete farce? Apparently Jim Osking because That's it's fucking right. genius, man. It's like, what is this? What are these guys wearing? And, and what the, where did you come up with this, dude? Are you on drugs? Are you... <laughs> You hitting the pipe? I know. I was going to say, I bet probably the most shocking thing about Jim would be that he's probably stone sober when he writes all of this. Yeah. And that's that's always the most yeah. fun thing about this stuff. I guess it's British. It's it's died in the wool British humor, dude. Yeah. It's just, it's a very, it's a little different of center, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So is there anything that you have going on that we can look for you in coming up? Uh, anything that you want to share or get out there for the people to check yeah, out or be on the I-4? If you, if you go to my IMDb, you'll see these shorts that I've done. Ben Evans film, uh, at Local Haunts, um, Hometown Boys, um, and... It's not up there yet, but I shot this film, that this short film that was adapted from Noah Van Skyver's graphic novel. Do you know who Noah Van Skyver is? I don't know. 
follow him on, on Instagram. He's a graphic novelist. Really, really incredibly great. It's called The Lizard Laughed. And we're, we're working on getting it into festivals and getting it uh, expanded into a feature film. Nice. So a lot of shorts that we're working on getting funded. Ben Evans is close. That Josh Mallerman story. The guy who wrote Bird Box. Oh, uh, okay. It, the Ben Evans film is his his novel that was adapted into into this this film, the short film, and then on. It's really really great. So those things and excellent working on four maybe three four films that we're trying to get funded. Perfect. That's it. Keeping the irons in the fire, making Absolutely. more magic. That is the key. Well, thank you very, very much, Sky. It's been a real pleasure and a treat talking to you. Um, again, I no bullshit on this. It's just one of my top movies. So this has been a surreally wonderful experience. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, man. I love talking with you. Thank you again to Sky for coming out. And until next time, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.